What does it take to become an elite 40K player? How do the top competitors overcome bad dice? The Competitive 40K Network presents Art of War Unbroken. Insight into the game plans of the top players on the planet with your hosts, Blake Law and the Art of War Coaches. Hello and welcome to the Art of War Unbroken. I am your host, Jaime Paris, and this is episode 65 of the podcast. And we're absolutely thrilled you can join us today. They say we learn the most of our losses, and that is exactly what this show aims to do. We're going to interview an elite player who has lost one to two games at a major event, and we're going to talk about those losses. We're going to analyze the game, what they plan to do moving forward, and how often they have blamed the game on bad dice. We've all done it, I've done it, and that is what we're going to debunk today. My co-host today needs no introduction. He has been winning tournaments since before I was born. The one and only Brad Chester. The funny thing about that is it's wildly true. I've been winning tournaments. It is true. I'm so much older than you. <laughs> I would love to see what tournaments you were won before I was even born. Just out of curiosity and which ones. What, was, what year were you born? 1999. Oh, I did a Baltimore GT. Damn. The year of your birth. <laughs> There you go. And uh, today, <laughs> we're going to be interviewing Colin Kay, who came second at the Denver 40K Fight Club with his Night Lords. Hey, Colin, how's it going? Good, how are you? Very good. You ready to tell us about these Night Lords? I know nothing about Chaos, so I'm going to need a little extra info today. I'm ready to spill the secret sauce. Cool. I'm, <laughs> I'm so excited about this because you have one, you, you, run, you ran Night Lords, and You've got all kinds of different stuff. Now, we were going back and forth on this. Did you specifically choose this list? And we'll have you tell everybody about the list in a moment. But we wanted to know whether you faced, you played this specific list because of the models you owned or because you you thought that this was the perfect combination. So it's funny you ask that. I had I built originally a Space Marine Army Executioners, which is a Badab War era chapter that went traitor for a little while and then went back to Loyalist, just so I could use it as an excuse to play Loyalist or Chaos. And Chaos, for the longest time, never enticed me. And then when the new book came out, they looked fun to play. And But I had like none of the good models, so I told myself, this list is going to be 80% of what I own, and I'll, I'll only buy up to 20% of what I need. So there was a lot of, this is what I own stuff. And <laughs> yeah, that's what we guess when we're looking at your list. It's like, why this? So, <laughs> yeah, this yeah. so everyone knows what, exactly what we're talking about and we'll discuss a little more. Yeah, so basically it's just a single battalion to save all the CPs because, you know, as chaos, there's so many good relics and warlord traits you want to take. So you don't want to be taking, at least in my opinion, multiple detachments. Uh, and night lords especially, I think, of their, of their six warlord traits, I would honestly, in some list, play any of them. They're all good. So you want to be taking those. And then there's just a couple of generic relics that are really good. So basically what it is, is it's a demon prince with uh, the Nurgle demon weapon, which is the ignore face caps and feel no pain one. And then he's got wings and warp time. And a lot of people didn't understand the warp time pick, but it's just there to sometimes move a master possessions into the middle to do warp or to do warp ritual and then move him back or to use that sacrificial unit of cultist to go deny primary for a turn or move block um and then you've got the generic everybody takes master possessions with pact of flesh and mutated invigoration i mean that's just bog standard good stuff the mop is so good 
yeah, it's just you, you, you just can't not take it if you're taking units that mean anything. If you're just taking trash, maybe not, but like he's just so good. And he does have Slanesh just in case I want I have a turn where I don't care about one of the two spells and I want to do agonies. Um, and then you've got a uh, Disco Lord, and this is where you start to get into some of that Night Lord's tech is he's not really an offensive Disco Lord, although they are innately quite offensive. But he's got the Night Lord's Warlord trait, which uh, gives you a three-inch pick-one-unit-to-fight-last ability, Ooh. which is really great, especially when you pair it with Mark of Slanesh, where he innately fights first. And I gave him the Intoxicating Elixir, which is once per game you can phase cap yourself and get D3 extra attacks. The amount of times I've had an opponent just be like, I guess I'm just going to let him do whatever he wants for five turns because if I commit, I just can't kill him. Yeah, I mean, I think he's died twice in like 17 GT or major games. So yeah. he's been he's been pretty good. And what I like to do a lot with him is just, you know, stick him with the Terminator brick and just like, all right, you can charge them and then you're fighting last. But then in the troops, you've got 10 basic cultists. Um, this used to be five legionnaires, but then I actually bought cultists. So I didn't need to spend the those extra 48 points anymore and it feels a lot less bad throwing away 10 cultists than it does five space marines <laughs> so they're they're just garbage that's a uh that's just a swap primary or and then after i've done one banner or one rnd with them and then i don't care if they die um then there's five slanesh legionnaires with the balefire tome this is just so i can do agonies on a turn where i want to cast both of my master possession powers um and then there's a six-man six brick of corn legionnaires. Uh, they have a power fist and a chain axe and all the chain swords. This is mostly to give me access to the four-up deny strat with a corn unit. And then if they incidentally go kill something, that's cool too, I guess. I have actually surprisingly used the fight twice with them quite a bit, which is um, can be fun. But then in the elites, you've got kind of the meat of the army. So you've got five possessed, which are just generically good. And in Night Lords, having another unit that debuffs leadership even further is quite nice. And then you've got the 10-man Terminator Brick, um, which I, I think my build is you know, slightly different to what some people have been doing. I put a little bit more points into it than most people because I took six Power Fists, two Chain Fists, all the combi melters I could take, two Reaper Auto Cannons. So I, I kitted them out to the teeth. And then obviously you have the Black Root Examination because you just so good. Unit. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's also, it's also Mark, 20 points. Yeah, it's, with the Marcus Slanesh and the Rune Indignation, so you can put Agonies on that. That yeah. Terminator squad just sits and hangs out. Is Agonies a 5 pin or? 5 or yeah. pin Yeah, matter of fact, I think the only time they died was the Gallant, which did like 32 mortal wounds to the units, so that was awful. Yeah. So I kit them out, and then I take kind of my favorite piece of tech in the list that was really kind of demonstrates some of the stuff Night Lords can do, which is a Master of Executions with the Relic Pistol, the Warp's Malice, which is a four-shot pistol on any turn but the first at 18-inch range, and six is to hit through two mortal wounds instead of normal damage. Now, I also give him a Warlord trait called the Night Haunter's Curse, which is once per player turn, you can change an advance, a hit, a wound, or a save to a six. Uh, and he's Mark of Slanesh, so you can do the one CP strat of Murder's Perfection to also change a die into a six. So as long as you have one CP, he can guarantee put out four mortal wounds every time he shoots or fights. Do you do that after you roll the dice when you shoot the you do the, you do the Night Hunter's Curse after you roll. You have to do the Slanesh strat before. Yeah, I was going to say one's one way, the one's the other. I was going to say, yeah. the answer to that question is yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
So he's really fun. I've had games where he just pops off and does eight mortal wounds because you roll two and then you flip two and, you know, stuff like that. And I think in my last GT before this one, over five games, he did like 60 mortal wounds. So he Damn. is just so good. That guy's a monster for his points, too, though. I love the master. Yeah. Oh, he's. I have games where he'll kill only 160 points before he dies, and I feel like I didn't get enough out of him. It's like, oh, wait, he's only 80 points. Yeah, I was saying, and that's still double what he costs. <laughs> yeah, so he he's he's kind of some really good tech, and Night Lords can make some great characters. And then in uh, Fast Attack, I've got a Venom Crawler because I have a lot of spells that I care about going off, and that plus one to cast really matters. Uh, and then the shooting is, you know, it's, it's nice. Um, and then you've got a unit of five warp talons because and six raptors because night lords really like uh, nephilim data because they can put jump pack units back into reserve. So taking two of those seems pretty good. And then the choice that I saw Anthony Vanilla's taking and I had kind of get drawn to initially was uh, Slanesh Havocs for the well. I have them with two lads and two missiles. That's only because that's what I own. Otherwise, it would be three lads and one yep. missile just to get <laughs> access to that anti-flyer strat. Yeah. But the ability to make them slash and just turn a damage roll into a six for one CP is just money. Yeah. Can you so, take and that, Maltos on Havocs? Uh, on the champion, you can. But, like, the yeah, champion is just there to die. Yeah, you can't just put four Maltos or anything on them, though. Oh, but okay. that's so the that's kind of are the best guns that you can put on them, basically. Yeah, and I only take the one missile to get that anti-flyer strat. Okay. Um, but yeah, there's. I uh, start with zero CPs because you want to spend them all free game, in my opinion, with Night Lords, and I haven't yeah. had one single game where that felt bad. Okay. So, and what what's the CP you spend on the Terminators? Uh, just the one on uh, Black Root Damnation. And that did what? That's the uh, perils on any doubles with an 18, and then minus one to wound the whole unit. Whoa, minus one to wound. That's good. Yeah, it's. it's the best sergeant relic in the game, as far as I'm wow. concerned, other than maybe the fight last one in that night. Okay. It's so just it's, it's, and then I think the biggest thing is that you don't care about starting at zero CPs because night lords do psychic interrogation better than most people because you could debuff them by two to three leadership. And all of a sudden, when all you have to roll is like a six on interrogate to get a CP back, yeah. you're getting a CP back more often than not. That's cool. Let's talk, let's talk about your. Game versus Ben here. He was playing yeah. Knights, specifically House Griffith. Yeah, I, I, I didn't know what it did before the event, and all he told me was Gallant go bonk, and Gallant indeed went bonk. <laughs> bonk. So he's so. got three three Hell Veterans, uh, four Warglaves, one Knight Gallant that apparently goes bonk, <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, and a Knight Paladin. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your thoughts. What, what? Let's start off. We didn't talk about the tournament. We talk about anything. We're skipping so much today. Yeah. That's how we do. We Blake leaves. <laughs> and we just run around randomly talking about whatever we want to. Tell us about the tournament. Tell us about the mission you played and the terrain and everything else. Yeah. So the tournament was was a sixty-six person event. Uh, the terrain was basically you each got two big kind of eighth edition style L's two regular-sized ruins and a forest and a set of crates. Um, and it was... The mission I played against Ben was conversion, which was theoretically a decent mission for me. And the actual event, the first tiebreaker was obviously win-loss, but the second one was opponent's win percentage. So it rewarded you for uh, having a stronger schedule. So 
I think battle point wise, I would have finished third or fourth, but my opponent's win percentage was about 70%. So that pushed me into second because uh, I had no opponents do worse than four and two. And then my one loss was to Ben and House Griffin was all melee knights and his gallant basically, I think when he's virtuous, he gets to flip a dice into a six. And then he took, I think it's a relic that makes his sixes to wound in melee do mortal wounds equal to the damage characteristic. And when he has an eight damage glove on the knight, he's just like, oh, here's three sixes and I flip one. There's 32 mortal wounds, you're all Terminator Griggs dead. Wow. It's like, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, uh, I, I, I got learned on that one. But uh, the mission wise, basically, he got to go first. I castled all up behind an L and kind of just wanted to go second, which I did get to do because I wanted that last turn. And I knew that he was going to push into the mid because he was a melee army. And I figured, all right, when he pushes into the middle, I can probably kill every armager in that backfield one in one turn. And he pushed and he kept his gallant. He ran his gallant around the side of the board because he didn't want me to kill it before I got to do anything. So the gallant didn't even make combat until I don't think turn three. And he did move everything into the middle. I lost like one Terminator turn one. And then turn two, I kill five armatures. And uh, then the big the paladin dies on turn three. So he's got two models left. And but he had had enough of a lead on uh, Honor the House and Yield No Ground. These secondary yeah. are just so, so hard to interact yeah. with. Because even <laughs> though I can kill five armatures in one turn, chewing through bonded armatures is so tough. Yeah, with the amount of damage. And, and that's the thing with knights. We were talking about that a lot just coming back from the WTC, which we kept talking about the night matches, which it's nice to have that second turn, you know, to get that, try to get that 12 and whatnot. But man, Knights yeah. running up with all the little knights, getting that first turn and not being able yeah. to get those yeah. move blocks off on them. All of a sudden, they're everywhere in the board, yeah. scoring tons of points, taking that middle from you. So I'm going to ask you just what your thoughts were going into the match. What did you take as your secondaries and what was your game plan? What were you thinking versus the knights and how confident were you on that mission? So I was really confident on the mission and I'm confident in the knights, but I'm not very confident into Ben. Uh, I'm two and two against Ben or two and three after this. But I mean, Ben's a great player. I mean, he top baited LVO and everything like that. And he's kind of the evil genius on our team because he's my <laughs> teammate. And you just go into it knowing that you can't rely on him to make a mistake because he's going to play a clean game. And so you just have to beat him on the board and, you know, in the generalship area. So I knew I had to play. I couldn't take like a risky secondary just to try and style on somebody because I knew I was going to win. I had to take like the most optimal stuff I could take. So my hope was to go second, you know, punish a potential overcommitment and kill a bunch of armatures in one turn, which I got to do, but I kind of underestimated how easily knights can score their secondaries. Yeah. Um, on a five objective mission and he did really well knowing that he was going to lose all his models I, I tabled him but he did really well to get enough of a points lead where it was 82 to 80 for him in the end because he was actually i thought i had pulled a draw and then he's like oh i get these end of game points with honor the house and i'm like no <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, i 
I ended up taking Bring It Down, which I maxed. I took Nephilim Data, which um, I think I only got an eight on Nephilim Data. Um, no, I got a, I got a full twelve. But the thing that ruined me was I took Warp Ritual to try and do the whole Warp Ritual Warp Time thing. Yeah. And I only got a three because I didn't commit to it early enough. I only started on turn three, and then I had an unlucky turn where he nailed like a ten inch charge into my mop and killed him. And it's like, damn it. But he has no denial. So, he has no denies, but I just I but I was using my casters to um, warp time and then uh, buff uh, my uh, other units for the first two yeah. turns, and then I committed on turn three, and I just needed to go a turn earlier. So it, that was that was part of what hurt me. And then there was also a turn which, again, I could have mitigated this by just committing to warp ritual earlier. But there was a turn where on I think it was turn four where I could have gotten a twelve on primary because I had he had one helver on his backfield objective with five wounds left, and. I did two wounds to it with Chainsword, so it got it down to three. And then I did three wounds with a Power Sword by Raptors, and he rolled triple sixes to save. <laughs> so took no damage. And then I had, in my command phase, had a Disco Lord within nine inches of him who had already killed the vehicle, so he got to use his Spirit Thief ability twice. So I got to roll 24 dice to do Mortal Wounds on sixes, and I only needed three, and I got two. No. And so the, the Halvrid lived, and instead of getting a 12, I got an eight. So that uh -huh. was just like, oh my... Gosh. So it wouldn't have mattered if I had just done warp ritual properly. So it sounds like there were tons of like little decisions that like influenced like two, four points at a time, which you lost by yeah. two, which is nothing. So yeah. um, the game, like at what point did you realize that like, did you have to try and do a Hail Mary? Like, were you keeping track of the score or was that more on the game? I think midpoint turn four, I got really aggressive because I realized, all right, even if I max my turn five i'm only going to get a draw but i have to max my turn five so i got super yeah. aggressive with it and i got all my points and i just had forgotten that under the house had an end game score which i i wouldn't have been able to stop that anyway but my problem my biggest problem was is not committing to the warp ritual because i thought my i mean i would have thought 80 points and tabling him and still having almost half my army left would have been a win but yeah ben is ben will not be had like that and i i learned a valuable lesson about it being too conservative that's, that's really and that's the thing is is that keeping track of that score is such a huge thing of kind of knowing like i'm not gonna lie every time every game i play i have the when, I'm, when i scored this turn but also my projected score yeah so just because of that because there's so many armies that can put up just a silly amount of secondary cut that i'm talking about you necrons and sisters <laughs> where like even if yeah. it feels like you're just destroying them uh they're still just putting up a huge amount of points that that's a i actually had a practice game right before the wtc tournament where i was winning pretty big but my necron opponent just put up a 45 anyways so it's one yeah. of those things where you feel like wait a second i I, thought, I felt like i was winning this game handily you're like yeah but i scored a crisp 45 of my secondaries yeah and, and knights are one of those armies that can really run away with just secondary points if anything else yeah. uh, fast too and it's those armies that can like really score quick secondaries more than anything just not like just good secondaries but just get them done in three turns yeah sure yeah one well, like like he got an he got an 11 8 and 8 on his secondaries but i think he really only scored them in like two and a half like two turns mostly because it was just like all right here's four points for this here's four points for this and then i get like nine points on this and i'll get two at the end of the game so he could have nothing to do it with and he still got a 27 on secondaries because what he did is he went first and he put four armatures on the middle objective it's just like all right you can't see the other two i'm gonna get a 12 for like two turns 
Do you think that, that was like overcommitment on his part? Do you think four was necessary or like two or three I, wasn't enough? I, I think he positioned it where if I had committed on turn one to him, I would have gotten out of position and I he would have just ruined me. And I think the problem was is that um, I couldn't get to him before turn two. And so, and chaos space for in shooting and especially mine is, you know, it leaves a lot to be desired. Like I can probably kill like a Helverin or an Armager in shooting with you know, four combi meltas and some Havocs or whatever. But like, it's not consistent, especially if he rotates ion shields. So yeah. I think he was not afraid of that. And, you know, he gave me the chance to make a mistake. And I think ultimately I somewhat did by being a little too timid. So do you have a lot of rerolls in your list? Uh, almost none, which was funny because I actually played a word bearer's opponent in the final round and he had that baleful icon that says, Oh, you can't do any of these rerolls. And it was like, Oh, well, the only thing that rerolled anything was the warp talents. So, yeah. um, yeah, I think I have warp talents that reroll wounds and then sometimes the demon prince gives out rerolls, but he's usually not around the stuff that would benefit from it anyway. So I almost never actually, which is actually unusual for the type of lists I play. Sure. Now, where did you think that? Because overall, would you have chosen the same secondaries? You know what? I'm going to leave some of this stuff for the breadning, the after hours. I'll go a couple <laughs> questions for the breadning. I was like, I've got so much stuff to say on that. You know what I am going to say? You, you well, can have it. You can have it. You can have it. I need this. I need this in my life. here. Go for it. <laughs> Over the weekend, what unit was your MVP and who was <laughs> on the chopping block? So, <laughs> chopping chopping block is the easiest one to answer, and that is the warp talons because in seventeen event games, I don't think one time ever have they prevented anybody from falling back. And the strength four lightning claws matters way less than you think it might. And for one point more, and my list is at nineteen ninety nine currently, so I wouldn't have to change anything. I can have a clone unit of my Raptors. So I can have a six-man Raptor unit with two flamers and a power sword, which makes my R&D game much more consistent. So definitely the warp talents are on the chopping block. But the MVP was 100% the Disco Lord. He, I think he won me at least two games all by himself and yeah. sw swung at least another one. So he's been just aces every game. I mean, when you can just... Deploy him basically sideways and then line up the Terminator brick around him where they basically can't charge the Terminator brick without being in three inches of him. You're just like, all right, well, here's this thing. I'm going to push it into the middle. And what are you going to do about it? But those places are 40 millimeters. Do you mean like you wrap the Terminator around the disco base? Or yeah. Yeah. And I give him just enough birth to be able to get out of there. So. You could technically engage the Terminators without getting within three inches of him, but you're going to have to take the long way around. So sure. inevitably, that can potentially benefit me in a different way. So he's def, but he's definitely the MVP. The combination of fight last with fight first and phase capping myself. There's just so many games. Where he's just like, all right, I'm going to go bully this flank, and Absolutely. I don't think you can do anything about it. Now, with him being targetable in shooting. Is that a concern that he might take too much damage before he gets charged? Like, you might be forced to uh, use the wound cap early? Well, he's only nine wounds, so if I'm currently oh, protecting him... Yeah, yeah, and yeah, the Codex him. is only nine wounds. Yeah, I was just about to say, he used to be targetable. Yeah, and then the, the thing about the phase cap thing is you can only use it in a fight phase. So you do have to be careful that you don't get caught out by shooting, because sure. you can't phase cap yourself then. And I think out of the two games he's died, one of them was because... He got shot, and I just got to die with my relic still intact. So that was sad. 
Damn, so he's nine wounds now. Uh, does he have a four-up invuln still? He has the five-up invuln, and he gets a wound back on your command phase because he's a demon engine. Okay. You can make him minus one damage for one CP, which is also nice. So. That's also very cool. Okay, cool. In the bradding, I want to ask you about your CP because you start on what? Zero CP, you said, right? So I want to ask... Uh, how Zero CP. CPR crush <laughs> now. We'll leave that for part two. CPR crutch. I love everything about that. Yeah. Who needs CP nowadays? Let's let's rock us in. Are you ready to rock us in? I'm ready to. I'm ready for the bread. Man. I've got some questions. All right, yeah, let's do it. do it. So this was what part one of episode fifty-five. Make sure you go check out the other podcast that Art of War has. But let's jump into part two and discuss some of the more uh, skill-based stuff from the matchup. I'm so in. Like what you just listened to? Check out Art of War and the Art of War Down Under podcast on the competitive 40K network. Theartofwar40k.com.